This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith. Hey, what's up? My name is Jesus Chris. Christ. Welcome to Easter Online at Home. Thank you so much for watching today. And uh, man, I want you to know that God is absolutely crazy about you. And I'm so glad that you're watching uh, Easter Online here at Grace River Church. I want you to know you're always welcome at Grace River. We have three normal weekend services, 8.30, 9.45, and 11 o'clock. I hope you can come and check out sometime uh, really what our church is all about. But I just want to say thanks for carving out some time out of your busy schedule uh, to celebrate Easter with us online at home. Really awesome of you, and so thanks for that. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about what is the most important image in Christianity. You know, you think about the different images of Christianity. You think about creation. That's a pretty important image, right? Uh, you think about, uh, obviously, uh, the cross. That's a pretty important image, and you, you think, man, there, there are like crosses everywhere, right? I mean, you probably have a cross necklace, or maybe you've got uh, cross earrings. Maybe, maybe like 10 years ago, you had a pair of jeans that had a bedazzled cross on it, right? Uh, those are kind of funny to think about, but uh, like in reality, um, the cross is celebrated a ton. But you know what the most important image in all of Christianity is? Uh, the most important image is not a manger scene. It's, it's not a cross, the most important image in Christianity is the image of Easter, which is this. It's an empty tomb. That is the most important image in Christianity because all of the other images don't matter if it's not for that image, if it's not for that part of the story. And so uh, today I want to tell you a little bit about what Easter is really all about. I want to tell you what it's about. I want to give you the facts behind Easter. And then most importantly, I want to give you the why behind Easter. I want to tell you why Easter mattered so much for me and so much for you. And so Easter is really about three things. It's about forgiveness of your past, power for the present, and a living hope for the future. That's really what Easter is all about, is that you and I, because of Easter, we get forgiven for our past. That's all of our hurts, all of our habits, all of our hangups, anything that you've ever done in your life that you feel guilty about, that you feel ashamed of, God sent his only son, Jesus, to come and hit the delete button on all of that stuff. We call that sin, right? That's the church word for it. But we all have stuff like that in our lives. And some of us are like known for it, like our family knows, our friends know, and like we're notorious for being sinners, like it's not really a hidden thing. But if we're honest, no matter how religious you think you are or how put together your life is, even if you think you're all put together, you know, if we put together a year's uh, worth of thoughts that you've had and made a PowerPoint presentation out of it, you'd be pretty embarrassed about it, right? So we all have some things in our lives that we're embarrassed about, that we're ashamed of, and that we need to be forgiven of. And what's incredible about Easter is Easter is really about the forgiveness of those things. Easter is also about power for the present. And so that you and I get power for our present circumstances that we're walking through. I know right now, more than likely, as you're watching this, you're going through something. Uh, maybe you've experienced a loss in your life. Maybe uh, you're going through some relational difficulty. Maybe uh, you're going through some financial struggle. I just want you to know you're not alone. The story of Easter, the reality of Easter means that God is with me and that I have power for all of my present problems that I'm walking through. And then I also have a living hope for the future. Because Jesus got up from the grave, you and I have a living hope for the future. You and I not only have power for this present moment that we live in, but we also have hope for the future that we know that whenever we die, we're just getting started. In a minute, I'm going to share a video with you of a friend of mine named Rich uh, who has stage four cancer. And man, it's incredible what God, is going to, what God has done in Rich's life and what he's going to do no matter what the outcome is. Rich has 
a living hope for the future. And so here's some facts about Easter. We, we all, we, maybe you know these facts. It's, it's pretty uh, rudimentary, I guess, but there's some facts about Easter. There was the death of Jesus. Uh, Jesus went to the cross for me and he went to the cross for you, not so that Christianity could have a new logo. That's not why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for, for our sins. We talked about that forgiveness of the past thing. Um, what's interesting is, is that the only way that you and I could ever be declared innocent and not guilty at the end of our lives when we stand in front of God is because of the death of Jesus. And then we recognize that he, the, the big story of Easter, the fact is he, was, he died, but he was also buried. And so we know that uh, he took the tomb of a wealthy man named Joseph of Arimathea. He, was, he, was, um, he, he would have been laid in a cave, um, and that's where he went to be buried. Uh, not only did Joseph of Arimathea uh, take him off, help take him off the cross, but there was also a man named Nicodemus, who in John chapter 3, earlier in the Bible, uh, was a little skeptical about Jesus. He came to Jesus at night. He was a religious leader that came to Jesus at night to ask questions about who Jesus was. And Jesus told him that famous passage in John chapter 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? And you remember this part of the passage, uh, and it simply helps us to understand that when we perish, we're just getting started as long as we believe in the person of Jesus. And so there's the death, there's the burial, and then there's also the resurrection, which we know that man, that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he got up again. And that is why the image of an empty tomb happens to be the most important image uh, in the whole story of the Bible. Uh, because without an empty tomb, nothing gets changed. Without an empty tomb, Jesus isn't really the Son of God. Without an empty tomb, my sins aren't really forgiven. And so uh, I want to talk to you, now that you know the facts behind Easter, which you probably already knew that, let's talk about the why behind Easter. So why did Easter have to happen? The reason why Easter had to happen is God loves you. And, you know, growing up, I didn't go to church real frequently growing up, but uh, I remember I went to vacation Bible school uh, with my grandparent, with my gra grandmother at her, at her church. And I can remember being like 10 or 11 years old, and I walked into a classroom at this vacation Bible school, which was basically just like a week-long summer camp that happens at a church. And so I, I went to this vacation Bible school thing and I walked in and on the bulletin board, it said this. The bulletin board was like really cute or whatever and had letters all. It says, God loves good little boys and good little girls. And I remember thinking in that moment when I looked at that bulletin board as a 10-year-old, I thought to myself, uh-oh, because I don't know if I am good. Like even at 10 or 11 years old, I knew that I wasn't like a good kid, right? I was okay, but I wasn't good. And I would definitely wouldn't have classified myself as good. And even right now, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I, I don't have it all together. I wouldn't classify myself as good. So I just wondered, could God love me if I'm not good? And the answer to that question is he absolutely does love you. In fact, God loves you right now, not how you ought to be, but how you are right now, but he also loves you enough not to leave you the same way that he found you. And so um, I, I found this image, and this is, this is totally uh, what I thought was the case with this image. I thought if I was a good little boy, uh, that what I would do is, is I would have to color in between the lines, right? And so 
and if I colored in between the lines and did a good job coloring, look at the shading, by the way, then that would equal God's love for me. If I could just behave enough, uh, if I could just be nice enough, if I could just be good enough, be obedient enough to my parents, then I could earn God's love. But I'm telling you something, 30 years later, um, I'm still struggling with this thought. 30 years later, I'm still kind of like, man, am I good enough to deserve God's love? Because to be honest with you, this is not, if this is depicting on how I'm doing with the rules, if this picture, uh, me coloring inside the lines has anything to do with my behavior, if I'm honest and if you're honest, our lives look a whole lot like this instead. <laughs> instead of coloring in between the lines, we're just a big mess. Uh, I don't have it together and you don't have it together. And the reality is, is we all need the story of Easter because the story of Easter means this, God loves me even though I can't keep it in between the lines. God loves me even on the days that I let him down. God loves me even on the days uh, that I'm not performing at my best. God loves me even at my days uh, when I'm not treating the people around me like I should. God loves me even on the days uh, whenever I do things that I know don't please him. And so uh, I wanna give you some examples in the Bible of people uh, that God loved, and it's clear that he did. And the Easter story helps us to see this uh, more than ever. And so if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in John chapter 20. You can also open up uh, your, your app. Uh, we use the YouVersion Bible app at our church, or you can follow along on the screen as well. And so John chapter 20, uh, this is the story of Jesus resurrecting. So we see this here in, in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. This was Mary Magdalene. Uh, she's standing outside the tomb as she wept. And she, she stooped and looked in and she saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot place where the body of Jesus had been. Now this is really important, where his body had been. And so his body is no longer there. This is where his body had been. It's interesting because these angels uh, wouldn't have been like, sometimes we get like the idea of angels like they're like uh, chubby babies in diapers that have wings. That's not what these angels would have had. These would have been handsome, white-robed men uh, standing at where the foot and the feet of Jesus were. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. They're saying, hey, Mary, what, what's up? Why are you crying? And then she says this to them. Because they've taken my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. So she doesn't quite understand what's happened. All she knows is the body of Jesus is missing. She doesn't recognize and understand that he's resurrected. And so it's really important what you and I do with the resurrection story. It's really important what, what you and I do with the Jesus story. So <laughs> she thought he was the gardener. She said, if you have taken him away, tell me more about where you've put him and I will go and get him. And then in verse 16, she realizes who she's talking to. Mary, Jesus said. And that's when she knew because she knew the sound of his voice. She turned to him and cried, Rabbanoi, which means in Hebrew for teacher. So she knew this was Jesus that she was talking to at this point. And so he goes on to say this. This is what Jesus says to Mary. He says, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but, I, but go and find the brothers. She's saying, go, he's saying, Jesus says, go and find the disciples and tell him, Tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And so Mary went on to find the disciples and she told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she, and the, she gave them 
his message. What was the message that, that she relayed to them? It was this message that's highlighted in yellow. I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Can you say this out loud with me just as you're listening today? Jesus is saying, I'm ascending, say this out loud, to my father, to your father, to my God and your God. I want you to know today that he is your father, that he is your God. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he is your God. He is your father. And so what was it exactly that put Jesus on the cross? Why is the story of Easter so important? So what was it? It wasn't necessarily what he had done. It's who he claimed to be. The issue with Jesus is this, is that most people that went to a cross during this time period went to the cross because of something wrong, something they had done that was wrong. So they went to the cross because they had stole something. They went to the cross because they had lied about something. They went to the cross because they had killed somebody. It was some sin they had committed that put them on the cross. And that's not the case with Jesus because Jesus had never sinned. And so it wasn't what he had done. It was who he claimed to be. Jesus claimed to be the son of God. And up until this point, during this time in human history, no one was even saying the name of God out loud. And so they would use the term Yahweh, or they would actually use a symbol uh, because people were so terrified to even say the name of God. And here's Jesus claiming, not only not being afraid to say the name of God, claiming that he is the son of God. And the significance behind Easter is this, is that we actually know he's the son of God because he did not stay dead. And so he was who he claimed to be. And that is the powerful part of the story about Easter. And so now Mary, who sees a resurrected Jesus, who sees the person that was her friend that had died on the cross, that three days later, now Mary is the one that God uses. And by the way, if you're wondering what Mary's past was, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about, but church history helps us to understand that Mary's past was sketchy. So if you're here today, you're listening, you're like, man, I, Chris, you don't know about my past, even my present. I've got some shady stuff in my life. Here's what I want you to know today. Man, Mary also had some shady stuff. Church history tells us that Mary herself was more than likely a prostitute. And then she's gonna go, she's the, the person that God uses uh, that's gonna go and tell people about this incredible news of a resurrected Jesus. Before Mary was a disciple, she was a prostitute. I mean, man, what a crazy life-changing thing that happens in her life because of Jesus. And so she's the one that God uses to go tell Thomas. So uh, she went and told a group of disciples. They were meeting behind closed doors because they were scared they were gonna be crucified next. Thomas is known as the doubting disciple. How would you like to be that one, right? The, the one that doesn't believe anything about Jesus. And so Thomas was a doubter and he even said, unless I can actually touch the, the spot in his hands that were on the cross, then I don't know if I'm gonna actually believe in the resurrected Jesus. And so Mary comes to him, the doubter, Thomas, and says this, hey, he told me that he's ascending to his father and your father, to my God and to your God. What she's essentially saying is this is, Thomas, it's okay that you doubt. And I want you to know today, it's okay that you doubt. It's okay that you're not 100% there with Jesus. I get it. Life circumstances have happened in your life. And I used to think that you had to be 100% sold out on this idea that Jesus is God. And here's what I want you to know today. Just start with a percent. If you're here and you're listening today and you're like, man, I got some skeptical doubts in my life about who the person of Jesus is, it's okay. God can handle your doubts. But would you just simply invite him in? 
Would you just simply make a decision to say, man, even in my doubts, I'm gonna pursue the person of Jesus? Because here's the thing, he's pursuing you. He ascended to heaven for to, to go to his father, but also to your father. And that's also your father, as, as you're listening today, to his God, but also your God, the one who's crazy about you. And it's okay that you don't believe in God. Here's the really incredible story behind Easter. The, the meaning behind Easter is not necessarily just all about your belief in God. It's also God's belief in you. I want you to know today, God is crazy about you, even in your skepticism, even in your doubts. If there's a fridge in heaven, your picture's on it. Like God is absolutely crazy about you. So the first person she goes and tells that would have been in the room that day is doubting Thomas, the doubter. And she also goes on to, to, to tell Matthew the same story. Matthew's background, Matthew was a known sinner, all right? He was a tax collector. He also would have been known to be a thief as a tax collector with his occupation. And so if you've got a little bit of a shady past, uh, like Mary, if you've got a little bit of a shady past, like Matthew, in fact, uh, you're watching today and your friends are really proud that you are watching or whatever, right? Uh, we all have sin in our lives, okay? Uh, some of us, and I say us because myself included, some of us are just known for it, right? Uh, Matthew would have been someone that was known uh, for his behavior uh, and not the best behavior. But what's incredible is she's telling Matthew, listen, Jesus told me in this message that he wanted me to tell you is he's ascending to his father, but also your father, Matthew, to his God, but, but also your God, that Jesus was relating to them that, listen, I came for you so that you could know God, so that you could be with God. And so the, the third person that would have been in the room that day was Peter. He was a denier of Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us that uh, the, night that Jesus is, the, the night that Jesus gets arrested, before he goes to the cross, Peter denied him three different times. So maybe if you've like let God down before, um, you know, oftentimes I think about, you know, you wrong me once relationally and I'll give you a pass. You wrong me twice relationally and it's like, okay, but the, but the third strike I'm, I'm pretty much done with you. And I think that you would agree with that, right? Like the third go around when someone denies you, lets you down, disappoints you, you're kind of like, ah, I don't know. But what's incredible about God's love for us is that God still pursues us even when we're not all in with him. And that's what happens with Peter. And so, and he, she's explaining to Peter, Mary, listen, he came and he's gonna ascend to heaven to be with his father, and Peter, your father, to be with his God. And Peter, listen, also your God. So if you're in the spot where you feel like you've let God down a lot, I want you to know today, um, man, you're, you're not alone. And that he is your father and also your God. The problem is, is this, is that religion has taught us over time that God loves good boys and good girls, right? That's what we find out about religion, that religion is all about doing better and trying harder. The more I can do better, the more I can try harder, the more I can color in between the lines, that means that God will love me. And so as long as I can keep my life cleaned up, and I want you to know that is exhausting. Religion says you can save yourself, right? So you can redeem yourself, you can save yourself. But Christianity says that you can't save yourself, that there's nothing that I and nothing that you could ever do in our entire lifetime to achieve our own salvation. In fact, at Grace River, we say this all the time, but, but here's the good news about Jesus. The good news is this. It's not something that I achieve. It's something instead that I believe and receive. And I wonder today if you're ready to believe and receive that truth.
And so you're loved right now, not how you ought to be, uh, but man, you're loved right now just how you are right now. God is absolutely crazy about you. And so what Jesus did on the cross, the significance of the story of Easter, what he did on the cross was he absorbed God's judgment on himself. I said this earlier, but listen, the only reason why you and I could stand in front of a holy God at the end of our lives and be declared innocent and not guilty is not because of the good things that we've done. It's not because of what we've achieved. The only reason why I'm gonna stand in front of a God one day and be declared innocent is because of what an innocent man did for me. That innocent man is Jesus. Jesus took on God's judgment on himself. He absorbed all of that for us. And so Jesus can turn our hopeless end to an endless hope. I want you to hear a story of a friend of mine named Rich. And Rich today uh, has faith in Jesus even through a really difficult time that he's walking through with his battle with cancer. But here's the important thing. Rich has put his trust, his faith, his hope, all of his confidence, not in himself, but in this person of Jesus. I want you to listen to Rich's story. Hi, my name's Rich. Uh, I always used to think that my faith was strong. I've uh, been a Christian all my life. My walk with the Lord was good until about October 21st of 2021, when they found a mass in my chest. Uh, and then they went to remove this mask and it was supposed to be two and a half by two centimeters. And then when I woke up in recovery, come to find out that that mass was the size of a softball. And so my journey begins. They tell me to uh, go to Siteman Cancer Center. They recommended that I get a PET scan just to make sure nothing attached to that mass uh, was cancerous. So during the week of Christmas, I had a PET scan on Monday. I had a MRI on Wednesday and on Friday I had a CT scan. And then I went and seen the doctor and she told me that they confirmed it. They confirmed that I am in stage four of cancer. And so uh, during this time when the doctor told me this, everything she said after I was stage four of cancer kind of went blank. And she said, your prognosis is probably a year to year and a half. And I instantly started thinking, that's just, that's not, that's not acceptable to me. And I got in my truck and driving on the way home and just praying all the way home saying, Lord, you know, help me grasp what this doctor just told me. And so I just, you know, my faith in him just increased. Uh, and then I started my journey uh, with chemo. I'm getting ready to go uh, round four. Uh, hopefully it's my last round of chemo. And then during this uh, journey, my faith has gotten stronger because it seems like I have an army praying for me. And all these people's faiths are so strong, they believe in the power of, of Jesus. They know he can heal. During this journey, you know, I had thoughts in my head, you know, I'm going, wow, my journey's not that bad. Most people say, oh my goodness, they fall apart, they got cancer. Because of the journey that Jesus did for us, it doesn't even compare. So my faith is stronger, and it's gonna to continue to get stronger, especially when you have an army praying for you. My challenge to you is, is where is your faith? How can you not express the love of Jesus? Because at the end of this journey, it's not gonna end bad for me in either way, and most people will look at me like I'm crazy, and the end of this journey is that uh, if it's time for me to end my journey here on earth, my loved ones will be sad, but it'll be a new great journey to be with my heavenly Father. So where's your faith today? My challenge to you is where's your faith? What's stopping you?
Man, what a powerful story. And I am blown away at the faith that Rich has in God. And I, I wanna make this statement one more time. I made it earlier, but it's this. Jesus can turn our hopeless end to an endless hope. And that's Rich's story. The reason why Rich has confidence and hope is not because of what he's done. It's because of who he's put his faith in. And I want you to know because of the story of Easter, you can do the same thing. In fact, here's the hope behind Easter. I showed you the pictures earlier of uh, the coloring inside the lines, but here is the true image of Easter. Because of an empty tomb, here is what God's love looks like for us, that God loves us even though we're messy, that he is our father, that he is our God. No matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been, he is crazy about you. The story of Easter is really about these three things, forgiveness from my past, power from my present, hope for the future. I want you to know today there's a next step for you to take. And that next step really for some of you would be just simply believing and receiving what the message of Easter is, that God came to die in your place so that one day you could be with him. So I wonder today, are you ready to make that decision to say, I'm ready, instead of putting my faith and my hope in myself, I'm ready to put my faith and my hope in the person of Jesus. Instead of making this about achievement and about religion, you're ready today to say, you know, it's not about what I can achieve. It's about believing and receiving what's already been done for me. So I'm gonna pray. And so I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you've never made Jesus your savior, if you've never declared him to be the Lord of your life, to be the leader of your life, I'm gonna ask you to do two things right now. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me, but as you pray, I'm gonna ask you to simply declare that he is your savior and that he is the leader of your life. So let's pray together. You could pray a prayer just like this. God, thank you for sending your son to come and die in my place. God, I know that it was his innocent life in place of my guilty life. And God, I know that, that he died for all of the stuff in my life, the sin in my life that I'm not proud of. And God, today, I'm declaring you and only you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. God, help me to put my faith, my hope, my trust in you. Thank you for saving me and making me a Christian. Help me to no longer live for myself, but to live instead for you. Again, God, I wanna say thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray all of this, amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.